0: So begins the end for
1: Darkseid. I've never seen a being as strong. Maybe one.
2: It's finally released the Schneider cut, and that's what the fans have called it for the last few years. It was a hashtag that they started on Twitter. They demanded that Warner Brothers release this film. I'm Max, and this is Flippier Wig. Coming up, I'm chatting to Batman Oscar nominee, Tom Moore.
0: I remember meeting Michael Keaton at the Oscars when I was nominated for Song of the Sea, and because he was Batman to me when I was a kid, it was just exciting. You know, so so, things like that, you never kind of grow out of that. But
2: first, Zack Schneider's Justice League is now out in the world, and it's four hours of action. Pack footage. It's what he wanted to give to the DC fans back in 2017. Through personal tragedy and the control of the film being taken of Zach and his wife Deborah, he stepped away.
0: You know as well as I do that none of this
1: would be at all possible without your incredible dedication and incredible perseverance. This whole
0: thing started, and I thought, you know. It's amazing that these guys wanna see what I made, but I was sure it would go away, and it didn't. Not only did it not go away, but it started to become a real movement. And I saw it raise awareness for ASFP. I saw it bring a giant group of people together. And I saw one voice that changed the world and made anything possible. So for that,
2: I just want to say thank you. That's Zach. Thank you to the fans who came to the rescue and made this happen. It's undiluted. It's dark. It's edgy. And it brings together all your favourite DC characters. Wonder Woman, Batman, The Flash, Superman and Cyborg. Lots of you have been sharing your reviews with me on Twitter and Instagram. Matthew Wilkes uh, messaged me, he said, Schneider went to great detail thanks to being free from the shackles of WB, that's Warner Brothers, and was able to create part of a masterpiece. Studios need to trust directors a little more in future and not interfere with the process. I agree. Dan has messaged me saying, it was everything I hoped it would be and more. The exchange between Batman and Joker was just mind-blowing. Brandon says, it's incredible. Hands down, one of the best DC movies ever made. Hannah says, this was so good. I'm so glad that he finally got to release it. Okay, get ready for this week's guest is one of the men behind the magical wolf walkers. It's currently streaming over on Apple TV. It's up for a BAFTA and Oscar. Here's a clip Wolf, wolf, hunt them far and
1: yonder. The forest is brimming with wolves.
0: It's my job to hunt them down, not yours.
1: But we could hunt them together wolves, bears, dragons,
2: even. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, you wanna you look like you're about to oh no, I thought there was a parachute attached to you Yeah, I'm
0: about to parachute after I'm just wearing my dumplings.
2: <laughs> and they look good on you. Listen, um we met a few months ago also on Zoom. Oh congratulations Tommy's so good to have you here. Um what a flipping yeah for you guys. I mean, BAFTA. Oscar nomination. Wolf uh, Wolfwalkers is currently streaming on Apple TV Plus. I mean, is it all a bit of a blur?
0: Yeah, and it's particularly weird that we haven't really, nothing's changed in except because we're still at home and we're still working from home. And like yourself, I'm sure everything is yeah. Zoom land and everything. So it's strange. There's some nice things about it because we don't have to travel and have jet lag and be away from family and stuff. But it's probably the most widely acclaimed of all the movies we've done. It feels like that anyway right now. So that's been lovely and surreal. And honestly, you know, it's been a rough time for a lot of people. So it's nice to be the good news story, you know.
2: Do you think you would have enjoyed the extra attention? Or are you somebody who's like, leave me alone?
0: I don't know if I'd have enjoyed it extra dental. I think it can be quite stressful in a way because I remember deciding the last Oscar run we did with the breadwinner, I didn't drink at all. Because I, I realized I was putting extra pressure on myself. Trying to be presentable and chat and remember people's names and drink wasn't a good combo. So, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing. It looks like parties and everything like that, but actually it's kind of work because you know you're there representing the film and all these other people's work. And you know there's opportunities that might come from who you meet. But you don't know when or where, so you have to be kind of always alert or whatever. I do.
2: That's interesting because I always think people are either up for a laugh or they just sit on their own tables and they're so like, let's let's not mingle, let's look really serious. So it's super cool to imagine that actually some people do mingle and network and 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 are a bit more friendly with each other.
0: Well, the best thing for me was always meeting people that were my heroes whether it was like animation heroes like meeting pete doctor and stuff the first time i remember meeting michael keaton at the oscars when i was nominated for song of the sea and because he was batman to me when i was a kid it was just exciting you know so so things like that you never kind of grow out of that and especially if i think we're not because we're not based in london or new york or l.a or any of the main centers we're always a little bit tiny bit of that kind of fish out of water feeling Um, Which I think is what people enjoy as well, because they kind of love the fact that you're not always around, you know?
2: Yeah. But I think that actually makes you guys less influenced in a way, because I'm in London, I'm in the capital and I feel like that every week before lockdown I think there was a there's an award show there's an event there's something and creators and especially new directors writers ex- everyone's like constantly like oh my god I have to go to everything I have to be seen but you guys have been allowed to just get on with your work and create your own company with a gang of mates and perhaps that may not have happened if you'd been in one of the biggest cities like London
0: I think it's yeah it's like I've like single friends who say it's hard to settle with anybody when you're in a big city because there's always more people you might need yeah. for you know and it's not necessarily like more choice makes you happier and I kind of feel like there was a time when I really felt I wanted to be in the main cities and I felt like you know being in Kilkenny was fine for now but later I'd like to go into the cities and I kind of read an article somewhere along the way that a lot of great bands and stuff they create away from these centers of culture and then bring it to the center of culture but in order to get back to doing what they really want to do they have to come away again so I think we've had this lovely luxury of being usually invited into these centres, whether it's London or or LA or wherever, and then we can kind of retreat back to a small town in the middle of Ireland and get back to work, you know. So
2: that's kind of nice. It's the best of both worlds. Also I think you get to build really long standing relationships because I think sometimes when you're in the thick of the industry and everybody wanting to do similar things and there's a lot of you, it's very difficult to work out the ones that you genuinely click with your tribe. And I think
1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
2: I think you and Ross, like, I find it super interesting that you guys have been mates since you were kids. And you've not killed each other.
0: Um, oh, oh! between me and Ross, uh, yeah. I mean that's that's different even than my partners in the studio, because yeah. Ross is kind of a um, an artist in his own right, a painter and everything, and so he kind of takes time away from the studio and works on his painting and comes back. But I think that's quite healthy for him and for me and him because we've known each other for so long and I think I always felt you know, when you're a kid, you're kind of in competition in a friendly way with the other kid who's good at art. And so that's kind of continued into our adult lives in a, in a healthy, I hope in a healthy way, and maybe extend it out to some of the other people we work with in the studio. So I think it's, you know, friendly competition in a positive way.
2: <laughs> who's the worst? Who's like the really competitive one from the two of you?
0: Oh me? I mean I'm the one who has to be like Ross is just so good at everything he's fucking annoying and he's a brilliant musician and stuff too so I've always been the one who's trying to catch up to Ross
2: (laughs) Nobody can catch my mommy and anyway if she was caught by those stinkers I'd get me wolves to eat them! So you're waiting for her to come back? Yep it's just her me No, it's nice that you get to share this kind of journey together I want to talk to you about the Oscar and BAFTA nomination a bit more about the film But I wanted to also talk to you about a few other things that have been happening in the world of film Um, Schneider's cut is out um, Officially, you know, it's one of those moments. I think whether you're a DC fan a Marvel fan or not It's pretty like hard not to get consumed by it when I did my bit of research Zack Schneider I had no idea He and his wife, at the time when they were making Justice League, all those years ago, they were making this film that they wanted to make it a little bit dark, a bit more edgy, and obviously you've got Batman, you've got Superman, you've got all these characters that people have grown up with and Warner wanted a side of it where it was still family and, you know, not too dark. And um, Zach has spoken about this a lot recently and between creative differences and Josh Whedon being brought in to co-direct and co-write I think he redid 50% of the film he and his wife decided um we're out and they also tragically um lost their daughter which is just like so sad who passed away the first thing I'm wondering is for you are you a fan of DC do you I know you love comics the Japanese type but do you ever get caught up in this world of DC and Marvel
0: It's so interesting for me. When I was a teenager, I was insane for comics, superhero comics, American superhero comics. And I was totally team DC back then. I only read like Wolverine and X-Men, but mostly I was like, no, I don't like Marvel. I love DC. And at the time, in the 90s, DC was really happening. There was a lot of exciting stuff. The late 80s, I kind of missed. I was a bit too young. But then when I got into it, it was Frank Miller had done The Dark Knight. He had done year one with Batman. Batman, the 89 movie, Tim Burton movie came out, and then DC was the thing. So my bedroom as a teenager was covered in like DC comics, you know, Star Trek and DC comics and stuff. But watching those stories and those characters, Max, be translated to mainstream. I've never liked it as much. I don't know, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight, for me, that was the Batman I I wanted to see since I was a teenage Batman fan.
2: What, what, sorry to interrupt, but what did you love about, I mean, I agree with you, but what did you love about what Christopher Nolan did?
0: Well, oh, well, he took it seriously. And I think for me as a teenager, I always kept, like my friends would mock me. It wasn't cool to be in superheroes back then. My friends would mock me for being into it because they imagined, you know, Batman, Adam West, really campy, which is fun and great. But I, what I loved was Tim Burton took it seriously. Frank Miller took it seriously. Christopher Nolan took it seriously. And I really enjoyed the genuine emotion of it. Mm-hmm. um and then i think after that and i've always thought batman was a difficult character to do in live action and then you put him side by side with the it's a bit like um scarlett johansson's character in the avengers it's like yeah. a cool interesting character but if they're side by side with like someone with godlike powers it's a bit it doesn't really work so begins the end
1: but not... I've never seen a being this strong. Maybe one.
2: justice league schneider's cut it is out right now it's currently streaming over on hbo it is four hours long and it is action-packed i'm max and this is the flippy wig podcast Um, this week we're joined by tom moore one of the guys behind um, the beautiful totally um captivating wolf walkers which is currently streaming over on apple plus tv um tom you know we're talking about justice league and zach having his creative power taken off him with the original one and then him walking away, um, which just sounds like the worst thing that can happen for you as somebody who runs his own company and you get to make your own films, um, your own animations. Have you ever been in a position when the control or the power has been taken off you?
0: I have no envy whatsoever for those people who try and work with these franchises that belong to huge mega corporations and satisfy a fan base like you know there was a lot of people looking for wolf walker sequels and stuff and i felt very powerful in that i could say no i don't feel like doing that you know and i've always been like by virtue of trying to run our own independent studio i've ended up never really having to answer to anyone and that was my biggest fear with apple that this is a big company and would they try and impose their vision on wolf walkers and they were very good about not doing that so it's been always really important to me to just do my own thing and i prefer I think when I was a kid, the idea of like directing a Batman movie would have been the ultimate. And I loved the animated series, but I think now I really value having my own creative voice and final say and final cut. So I prefer to work in lower budget independent stuff mm. rather than have to deal with, I think it must be so hard.
2: I think I would be the same as you, like less money, more control, more money, more cooks that you don't need, right? Apple Plus TV, we have a press login, so we get to see everything they're putting out. Um, They've got this new series called Calls, which is really weird, and I'm still trying to get my head around it at the moment. But being amongst the programming that they've selected, I always find everything seems to be a little bit more thought through, and it's not necessarily like views and hits and the biggest actors and the biggest directors, which is really interesting for a big mainstream brand. What's been your experience? Because... I think you and Ross, you've had this beautiful moment where we've all loved the film, but you've not been able to have it in cinemas. You've not been able to travel the world. So in a way, in a big way, the relationship with Apple, that was crucial for people to get yeah. to enjoy it. So yeah. how has it kind of worked out?
0: And I know this sounds like kind of boring because it's just been brilliant. <laughs> like it, it, there's no, there's no drama, honestly. I can't believe how it's what we've always imagined we couldn't have. Because we never thought we could have the artistic control, make independent films about topics that we cared about, and have the marketing of like big, you know, Pixar kind of things. But the fact they painted a, a mural on the side of a skyscraper in New York and took over bus shelters and you know did all these amazing things. Um, maybe maybe they didn't do that because I can't go and check. Maybe it's all Photoshop and they're just lying to me. But it appears as though they've been doing amazing marketing. Yeah. And online, I mean, I I actually had to ask them to warn me when they were releasing more teaser material because they were releasing all this really cool material and fans would retweet it. And I'd go, oh, I haven't seen that. So (laughs) they've been really, you know, really, really good pushing it online and all at the service of a pretty heartfelt indie hand-drawn feature. It's kind of amazing. Did you
2: feel like you had to give a lot of ownership away to get that support, to get that added? No, that's awesome. That's so rare to hear something like this.
0: Oh, no, yeah. That's what I think we're really, really lucky. And I don't know if it was, you know, the way we've been, you alluded to it earlier, we've been around for a long time and we've sort of been slowly gaining credibility, but never really commercial success, yeah. like big commercial success. We've been tipping along. Um, and the fact that we were there at the right time when Apple was starting and Tara Sorensen was in Apple and they didn't have any content, but they had a, an agenda to have well-curated kids content, content that they felt was like, I feel like it's old-school BBC commissioning editor, kind of, what would be good for kids, but let's take risks, or maybe Channel 4 might be a better example. And so, I just right place, right time, you know. Wolf,
2: wolf, hunt them far and yonder.
0: The forest is brimming with wolves. It's my job to hunt them down, not yours.
2: But we could hunt them together. Wolves, bears, dragons even. <laughs> I don't know if it's called, um, yeah, it is Stillwater actually. Have you watched that yet on Apple? No,
0: it looks lovely. It's all, it's, they're, like, they're it's
2: really, it's really clever. Mm. It's about teaching kids about mental health really in such a smart way with animation. And they haven't done it in a patronizing way. They've done it in a clever way, but it's really easy. Cause even me watching it, obviously I'm an adult. I loved it and I thought, God, why couldn't I have seen that as a kid? Because it's like teaching kids yeah. when they're getting angry how to deal with their rage and to chill out a little bit, but in yeah. such a beautiful way. So um, do they share with you how successful, how many how, how many people have watched it or is it still early days? No, I'd day? love
0: to know that. I'd love to know that. No, we haven't heard that. But what's been interesting is I think that they've been quite focused on the awards campaign. I think it's a good story for them that it's their first release and it's going head to head with Netflix, head to head with Disney. Yeah. Um, it's great. It's been a perfect storm that way. You know, we could, I mean, it could have easily just not happened like that. So it is amazing. Anna. Yeah.
2: There's a lot of emails coming through. First ever. Apple show are like oh this is yeah. nice for you guys no because exactly. it's, yeah but it's great for them as well it just shows that whoever believed in you guys because let's be honest it's not a guarantee people can sit here and say oh because it's so awesome everyone knew but not everybody had, would have watched it or been exposed to what you guys were doing so the fact that somebody like a company like Apple early on thought no we're going to stream it we're going to take I'm sure Amazon somebody would have taken it because it is so awesome but it yeah, it, it no, does we pitched
0: it around. That's the most interesting thing. For whatever that moment in time, I think now Netflix or Amazon would have been interested. But at the time before Apple set up, Wolfwalkers had existed and we'd been pitching it and it hadn't really caught on anywhere, but we were going ahead as a an European co-production. So we were making it anyway with our partners. And then Tara, who had been in Amazon and had wanted to do it in Amazon but couldn't. Got into Apple and so Shatara Sorensen, honestly, and that's it, it's like a key pick. And the business is like that. If you build a relationship with somebody, they usually move around over there in Hollywood. And if you've got a relationship with that person, sometimes they move into a new position. You, it's the same with Phil and Netflix. We've known him since he was a character designer. And so opportunities come because you just, it's about the people you know, and it's about being sound. Like if you're going around just always being really brash and egotistical and not building good relationships, I don't know how people like that have careers. And somehow they do, but to me, it's about trusting each other, taking a chance on each other, real, trusting that the other person, what they do is gonna lift the project and not pull it down, so yeah.
2: That's so nice to hear because I think sometimes we all get very cynical, don't we?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It is interesting to see, you know. Not everybody, and there's a lot of people we don't know, but Paul, our my producing partner, like for the first, I'd say, 10 or 15 years of the company, and I was just talking to him about this last night. We drank a little bit of Prosecco last <laughs> night, I'll admit, I'm a bit hungover. Um, we were talking about how him going out without the agenda to kind of climb the ladder, allow them to make genuine connections with the people that were gonna be in it for the long term. Because there's a lot of people that sort of just flirt and then they're gone again and you never hear from them again. But the people that you keep meeting year after year and you're still doing your thing, they're doing their thing, after a while they trust that you're gonna be around and that you're somebody that they could depend on, yeah.
2: Yeah, and artistically, I think for you guys as well, I know we constantly have this argument about do we really care about critics and awards but I think most creative people kind of do you know when they don't get nominated they get quite pissed off but um does it just kind of validate you in yeah finally everyone's seeing that what we're doing or were you guys quite comfortable living in your world doing well and being able to pay your bills doing what you loved all these years?
0: That's a good question and that's a question that the studio is facing now because we have the problem of success where 10 years ago we might have been really desperate for some of the opportunities that now we're just too busy to even take up on Mm -hmm. and it is interesting and it is trying to get that balance right where you don't take on too much and get too big so you lose sight of what you were doing in the first place but I do see lots of other indie movies that weren't nominated this year that were really beautiful and I do feel for them because it means so much like in one sense the awards yes it's just nonsense what's the best because all movies are good and you my favorite might not be your favorite so it's weird but on the other hand it is so helpful for boosting the signal especially of independent film so yeah it's a it's an ambivalence there and I mean for us we're on the right side of it and it's just fantastic and it means so much to all the artists here I think in Kilkenny the fact that artists that they might be going wow they're the best in the world in Disney Pixar also think that what we're doing is good I think that means a lot you know there's a lot of Peer-to-peer respect, which is lovely.
1: Today started out as the best day of my life. Back here tonight, first show's at seven. Yes! Woohoo! You know what that's going to say? Joe Gardner! <laughs> I did it! I got the gig!
2: I did notice one of your competition <laughs> in the BAFTA category. I know, I'm being overdramatic. Um, also in the Oscar category is Soul. And oh, yeah. Mr. Ken Powers and you are following each other. So, are we going back and forth? Some shots on DMs about, mate, we're coming for you. <laughs> yeah. No.
0: That's the, the thing I find hard with Soul is that I love it. And it spoke to me as sort of at arriving at that point in midlife as an artist. I, I re- related to the story. And then I know there's another relevance for people in America who are people of color. It's not my lived experience, but I can see why that would mean a lot to them that a character is treated respectfully and well in a mainstream movie like that. So I can see why it's a great contender. I mean, we're going to give it a lash. We'd love to win and we're not going to just roll over and go, I'll give it to Soul, But definitely, I mean, if, if it's just between us, well, there's other amazing nominees, but if it was just between the two of us, I wouldn't have any shame to lose to them because they're amazing. I think they're amazing filmmakers, and well, you know, we made our film for what's well, crazy to me. We made our film for I think ten percent of the budget they said they Isn't had that for theirs. I
2: want us to like push that yeah. so everyone realizes. There's so much power in the fact that you're all in the same category, but the process would have been a lot different.
0: Yeah, and and a lot of freedom. I think Pete is lucky as a director, and I guess Kemp too, when he came in as Pete's co-director, he's in a position that's rare, I think, in mainstream animation in the States, where he gets to tell personal stories without too much interference. So Pete's very lucky, because in a way, Seoul is more like a European movie, but it had 150 million budget. We had 10 million euro budget. So, you know, it's not the same. And yet we're there side by side, which is amazing.
2: But then does that make it harder for you? Because if you ever go, it's like, we need more money. They're like, no, 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 guys, you managed yeah. to do it on, <laughs> like, it could work again. have been
0: told, yeah, I've been told, don't talk about the budget too much, because it does doesn't really reflect because I think we make these movies for 10 million but if we really had to pay people what they should be paid for their talent and everything in like a American studio would cost much more
2: and you know like sometimes I hear you and Ross talking and you guys like I see certain videos and I'm like lost you're both like these two artistic people talking in language that I just don't understand and I'm like obviously so beautiful between them they're both like talking about their art and their 2d pictures and technology and but it, it's it's pretty beautiful to watch people that are just like connected like that. Um, you seem really passionate about this idea of the hand um, painting, hand hand drawing, and not opposed to technology. But that seems to be super super important to you to always have that there.
0: Yeah, least, I think for Ross and myself, I think that's where we came from. And I'm spending a lot of my time now going back studying life drawing. You can see my friend cuddles. I've been
2: you posting stuff. <laughs> slightly like off-putting though in the sense that you've got your animated characters on one side and then you've got life drawings on the other
0: side <laughs> i wonder about that but that's that's kind of the fine art part of me and it's very yeah i might have to have separate internet identities yeah, like that.
2: yeah sometimes i'm like looking at my feed i'm like
0: no, it this. Uh, I know and I even asked on Twitter is this not appropriate but no. I think it's sad I think our culture has equated nudity with sex far too much mm-hmm. and I think the old art form of, of life drawing is still so important and I think it's so relevant animation I'm actually training with Carl Ganass, who's an anatomy teacher for Disney um, in the States and I'm doing personal classes with him in the evening so I think because that's my interest Ross is into music and painting so many of the people in the studio are into like, I think that workshop, that art school, and I think it's part of being outside the mainstream as well. I think it's all a little bit, I don't know, it's our kind of folky punk rock kind of vibe, I guess, <laughs> that we're doing, doing things with our hands.
2: Following you guys on social media, since I first um, spoke to you a few months ago, you especially are very vocal. And I love that because I'm I'm the same and I think that we all have a platform to a point and we do have an opportunity to share our points of view. You as an artist, as a creator, you can actually somehow underline some of those issues within the stories that you choose to tell. And people that really focus on the stuff you guys have done, they've always been there, those stories. You guys were woke from the beginning before it was cool to be woke. Do you enjoy social media, um, Tom? Is it something that you've kind of navigated and figured out your relationship with it? Or is it still a bit up and down?
0: No, because social media started out as an amazing thing for me. I started blogging in about 2004, 2005 with the start of Blogspot. And I was blogging about us trying to make our first feature film, Secret Accounts. And I made connections that I still have today with people in Pixar and other artists. And at the time, a lot of people were like, are you sure you should be sharing this much? It's not normal to share so much about behind the scenes. But for me, I wanted to know this stuff. So I thought someone else out there would want to know this stuff. And I loved that, right? And then around 2007, I remember seeing Facebook and going, who would ever want that? And then I became a total Facebook addict. And then Twitter, who would ever want that? And then I got into that. And I've often had this debate with myself, should I just shut up and let my art speak for me? Mm -hmm. But I keep getting drawn back into it. And especially during lockdown, I've had this thing where I said, okay, after the Oscars and everything, maybe I'll take a digital detox because I found that it's my only connection to the world. And so it's ramped up even more. And I have alienated some people because I have some strong opinions about, you know, speciesism and animal rights and environmentalism that some people aren't really comfortable hearing about. So... Uh, Yeah, or or maybe my life drawing, as you say, or my other...
2: No, your life drawings are fine. I'm only heckling you. No, I don't think you should change, Tom, because if anything, I think for me, who didn't know that much about you two as individuals, it made me understand even more about all the messages you're throwing into the art that you're putting out there that the this does come from a place of people that care about the environment, care about mental health, care about other people, aren't just all about me, myself and I, let's make money, let's be successful, Hollywood life. So actually, I think it's been a, it's been a way to really connect the art that you guys do with actually who you are as people.
0: Hmm, that's nice to hear. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've heard both. I've heard both and I'm going to listen to people like you, Max, rather than the people who are giving me because crap.
2: Are hating on you. Are they saying mean things?
0: Yeah, I'm getting weird. I think my, I think I'm think i getting a tiny taste of how hard it must be to be somebody like, you know, Yuck and Phoenix or somebody. Like, there's just some people who are really annoyed about some of the stuff that I would have said before and nobody would have paid any attention and now some people are ready to attack. And I think it's kind of healthy because it means you've created a reaction and maybe they'll, they can't deny that they've thought about it then. They can't say, I, I never was confronted with this.
2: Yeah. If it gets too bad, a mute mute is wonderful. To mute people, you know that you you know you'll get they'll get offended if you just don't like to see them on your timeline. That's my favourite thing. And then worst case scenario, block. <laughs> Good old fashioned block. Is it
0: big for you in your job? And oh my do you God, find it, it <laughs> helpful?
2: But you know what's really tough in my job is we used to be able to have an opinion and have a discussion. And you and I don't need to like the same stuff in order for me to hear your point of view. Now like award season, Oscars, everybody is going to say the same thing because one or two people said it first. So it's like, okay, what's your favorite film in the best picture category? As you pointed out a while ago, Tom, we're not all going to like the same stuff. Yet 99.9% of people are going to pick the critic's favorite, whichever's the, the most people have given critical acclaim to. And I find it so frustrating because I worked more in mainstream and I loved independent and I wasn't able to really support indie music or indie filmmakers. So I thought I'm going to be an independent person for a little while and be able to support some of the people I can't on the bigger platforms I work for. What I found really interesting is the film, the independent film scene, very much the, the people that are the caretakers they quite like it being separated from mainstream cinema and almost owning it, you know, through the festival seasons and all yeah. these indie filmmakers are like, please, please, please show our films. Please, please, please. Rather than sometimes them feeling like they're in a position where they can get paid or they can they can go to this person. So I think lockdown has been incredible for independent filmmakers, especially because Netflix, Amazon, Apple, all of these different platforms all the big films stopped shooting, a lot of them decided to postpone, and the indie filmmakers now had these smaller films that were not as expensive. So Netflix, and the time that we're living as well, Social Unrest, it was like, okay, well, let's give it a shot. So all these filmmakers now are being streamed on these platforms, and I think some of the caretakers of the independent film world, they no longer have the monopoly over telling people, if you don't do this for nothing, we're not going to support your film in our festival season or whatever. So I I just find it so so much politics. And in music, Tom, I've really learned that smaller acts always go on tour with bigger acts to get showcased. And it's been a formula that's worked for independent uh, music for a long time. With film, there is this real desire to keep both worlds separate by arguing this is cool and that's not cool so you being on apple is actually for me the same as rocks being on netflix a great thing because it shows they can work together yeah it's about creating that space having those conversations and people not separating the worlds
0: like that too yeah because i do think there's a lot of unnecessary snobbiness that maybe comes from some kind of inferiority complex or jealousy or something so yeah i I find that, because people are often surprised how much respect I have for the craft of something like Frozen. Like, I was watching Frozen, I have a little three-year-old granddaughter, and I was watching it with her, and I had to admit it was...
2: Hold up, you're a granddad. Sorry.
0: Yes, I'm a grandpa, yeah.
2: I'm just like, you don't look a granddad. Oh my god, you don't look look old enough to be a granddad. I'm
0: not not old enough at all, but here we are. So I have a lovely little granddaughter, Mara, she's three years old, and... um, she loves Frozen, she's mad about Frozen. And I actually think it's a well-made movie, it's fun. And people go, oh, maybe you like the animation, but it's good fun. A little three-year-old can enjoy it, I can enjoy it. You know, why not? And um, and why do I have to not like it? Because I'm, I'm not like, you know, 2D you know, to the death. It's just that what I choose to do isn't threatened by what they're doing. And I do think, I think that, and you'd mentioned it about DC and Marvel and everything, that all that fake dichotomy, it's it's not really helpful. It's just kind of an outrage machine to get people yeah. to... You
2: said something a while ago, which I loved. You said, you know, I when I started my blog, I wanted to share stuff. I didn't think about when people say, why are you sharing stuff? And I think there's that level of people wanting control and power when whether it's independent or whatever's considered mainstream, shouldn't we want the most people to enjoy it, experience it?
0: What's the point of it otherwise?
2: Yep, exactly. So BAFTAs and Oscars, um, I'm wondering, Tom where were you like how did you feel when you found out I don't know why but I always think most of you already know.
0: No 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 and it's a tradition for me almost to ignore it as best I can so I was kind of stuck this time because everyone was on a big zoom call and I went off to to find some whiskey and put in my coffee (laughs) in case we got nominated and then I saw my phone my watch and my wife was ringing and I said oh that's a good sign and then I checked and we'd been nominated
2: so and how do you feel?
0: I will say there was a certain amount of relief this time because we didn't want to break the streak, you know. Um, the BAFTA was especially nice because I'd never been nominated in a category before or in for a BAFTA before, so that was really nice. And that was similarly, I had no expectation, no yeah. idea.
2: I mean, you're up against um, Onward. I love that film by the way, yes, so it was so much fun. Yeah. Um I, I haven't seen Over the Moon. That's the only one I haven't seen in your category. Um a Sean the Sheep movie uh Farmageddon. Great. I met those guys, they are so lovely. They do look yeah, like grandfathers nice. and they were carrying the little figures with them. Um <clears throat> and soul and, and then of course you guys like that category is so varied. I mean, how do you fancy your chances?
0: Yeah. Oh, I think we're gonna give it a lash. I think we're like we're <laughs> we're going to really go for it this time. Why not? We might as well. It's the third one of a trilogy. And, you know, I think with Apple and all, we might as well give it a, a good old crack, you know.
2: And do you um, ever, like now, like it's like the why family, anyone saying, oh my God, you better start thinking about who you're going to thank because we didn't think you were going to be nominated and you have, like, do you think about stuff like that?
0: I've never thought about it before. But I think um, I think it's a good idea. If you think you're going to go for it, and you think you have a choice. what has happened to me in the past was in the Dolby Theatre, as it came up to our category, I go, shit, what if we win? And then I start thinking, who am I going to thank? You know, and then the relief goes, has yeah, never been us. But um, yeah, I think you have to think about. It. I think you have to be very diplomatic. God, I, yeah.
2: Mm. Do, do people have to always thank people? because Jason Jason Isaac said recently when he was hosting an award show years ago, he said he made a rule. Nobody could thank the producer, the writers, and this and that. You had to say something beautiful about the film, something that would make people want to watch it.
0: I think I'll do a big um, Whackin' Phoenix speech about animal rights and the environment.
2: (laughs) 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 Yes. <laughs> it'll be like you'll get an email on the monday from your agent apple not giving us that second <laughs> that series <laughs> that you've worked on why did you do that talking of future what what other what what's happening because i i'm assuming you guys were always really busy but now i'm hoping more opportunities have come your way so are you busy creating
0: yes yeah i mean it's been amazing for me i'm on a little bit of a break ross's painting And I'm supposed to be doing life drawing, but what I do is spend half my day trying to be the connective tissue between all the projects because we're all working from home. We've never had so much work on. We're making a feature for Netflix, making another feature with a Chinese partner. We're making a big TV series for Apple. So much stuff going on. And everybody's working from home. So I'm just trying to be the one who's connecting and going, do you know what you need? Is there anything you need that this this group might, you know, just trying to be the creative.
2: How do you even focus on three different projects? Like,
0: how- really hard, yeah. But I'm not directing any of them. So what I'm doing is, like, I, I, I sit on the call and I draw everybody on the call. <laughs> and listen and I'm partly just their therapist, art therapist I'm kind of listening to them and going you know what when I was in that situation this really helped and maybe this person who's working on this project because we're not all in the same building so we don't meet each other maybe you should have a zoom call with them and that has worked out well.
2: Listen um, I didn't realize till I watched Raya and the Last Dragon which by the way was beautiful if you haven't seen it see it but the whole team made that film in lockdown and I was like fascinated that the animators and just it was just like whoa. So for you guys as well, is it is it how has lockdown treated you creatively when you're putting projects together?
0: I'm getting back from all the supervisors and leaders, um, is that everyone's tired? It's hard to keep everyone motivated. It's hard to do things over Zoom to connect people because we're zooming all day anyway. So there's there's no bowling night. There's no picnics. There's no you know going to the pub. You know and the, and everyone's tired because it's just work. And when you're on a Zoom call, you're talking, you're not chatting. There's, you know, there just isn't that hanging out comfortably time. So I think people are tired, yet we're so lucky because we can do work like this.
2: You know. Yeah, I mean, Netflix sounds ex- exciting, like, all this different stuff. Oh yeah,
0: that's, a big, that's one of the biggest projects we've ever done. And it's all being done in lockdown, which is crazy. And Nora's directing it and she has an amazing team. But some of her team she's never met in real life, which is surreal to me you know, but it's working, so it's great.
2: No, and when can we see that? When, Because I know this all comes under Cartoon Saloon, and uh, maybe not everybody's connected the dots, but there's a bunch of you guys under this like awesome company creating. So is there like a bunch of 10, 5, 6, 7 key people? I mean, how big is your team?
0: Oh, I mean, there's about 160 artists in Cartoon Saloon, yeah. But me and Nora and Paul kind of own the company. So we're like the three main kind of creative directors. And then there's people like Ross and just a big maybe 30, 40 people that are like our core crew that have been with us for the last 20 years. And they're, and some of them now are directing their own features or developing their own shows. And so it's really a growth moment for what was just a bunch of friends from college. Yeah.
2: So, for you as a boss, as well as a creator, um, you've seen this company grow. No, there's so many people like you that can learn actually from hearing what you say now. You've managed to stand the test of time, you've not given up, and you still seem relatively happy like you still seem happy and not like jaded and I don't see a shirt or a tie. So um <laughs> navigating being a boss and also creatively being happy at the end of the day, has that process been easy? No. Hold up.
0: that's one of the tricks i think the thing that we all learn in art school is kind of that rugged individual find your own voice yeah. but nature of animation is collaborative and is the art of teamwork and i think it's been a lesson in emotional intelligence it's been a lesson in you know um human resources or whatever you want to go like all of that stuff we've had to learn on the job and i think artists are particularly sensitive people too so yeah. you have to take care of yourself as well as your team and I'm, I'm really pro- I do think the younger generation are much healthier than my generation. I feel like Gen X were a little bit, um, a little bit, I don't know what the word is, but the younger generation, like millennial and younger, they're very tuned in to emotional intelligence. They know to take mental health days. They know all that stuff. And I think that's really welcome in the studio. As I see it the old way to me was a, some kind of self-flagellation where the best person was the person who worked all night and didn't sleep and you know that was a that was seen as a badge of honor and I'm glad that that's dying out
2: yeah and any um advice to budding animators because I met a few at the BFI like they were 16 to 20 I think and they were telling me they made like two minute like small film and they said to me Mars, it takes months I was just listening like are you serious? I thought animation would be easier than making a film. They're like, no, it takes forever. So, um, yeah, and they all seem to have not very, even though you've said that they seem like they deal with things better, they all seem to sit at their laptops at home by themselves. The thing I love about the work you guys do is there's always this really strong narrative. It's not just visually beautiful. The story is always at the heart.
0: Yeah, I think if, it's, if you're going to spend the amount of time that animation takes and you're not getting paid a huge amount of money to, you know, animate for a huge company, you really have to talk about something you care about and something that you're going to keep on caring about until the end of the project because it's a lot of long hours, no matter how emotionally intelligent you are. Um, I would say, yeah, kind of look towards stuff that really sustains you and don't jump at the new shiny thing because animation moves so slowly, you know, you want to believe in it for the whole time that you're working on it, you know.
2: And my final question. Oscars and Baftas. Have you got the outfit sorted? Because I know you like your clothes. You got your tat, so I know you're very like a creative person, which makes me think that your wardrobe is going to be pretty like fabulous. <laughs> so, do we pull out the same outfit, or do you have two on hangers already? Like that's Baftas, that's Oscars.
0: Oh well, well, um, <laughs> I'm hoping to I'm hoping to fit back into my tux. I think I've taken taken the foot off the pedal fitness wise during COVID. So yeah, hopefully I'll just fit back into my tux. I have sort of some. Um, glad rags that I've worn over the years and um yeah it should be grand I don't know there's still a bit of debate whether or not we can go to America for the Oscars or whether it's all just going to be from home so if it's all from home hopefully I can get away with being a bit more comfy then
2: fingers crossed um say hi to Ross I hope you enjoyed the sunshine um and we'll catch <laughs> up soon I'm sure and keeping everything crossed for you guys for Oscars and BAFTA season
0: thanks Max I really enjoyed this chat
1: you're a welcome getting smaller every day. These wolves, they're just beasts. Tonight we
0: put an end to this.
1: I promise you money. Keep you safe.
2: Your Week podcast I'm Max and guys I love this film it's probably one of my favourite animations I've watched in the last year it is beautiful also um, the hand drawn animation will blow your mind the music the way it's been pieced together the characters the story it's all just like magical but also real, like totally relatable and two female lead characters played by two young actresses who do an awesome job, thank you to Tom Moore uh, for hanging, always awesome to catch up with the guys the film is nominated as I said for a BAFTA and also for an Oscar, I hope that they win because they deserve it so much representing Ireland and Cartoon Saloon, uh, find out more about the guys head over to flippyweek.net there's also a way to connect with them in the show notes, guys I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast, we've got one more episode for season 2 10th episode next week before we take a little break I cannot believe we're already at that point please subscribe catch up on all of the chats you may have missed and have an incredible week and I'll see you soon take care bye